Hey there, welcome to the Path to Zion podcast. I'm thankful that you are tuned in today. This is the video version. We are rediscovering the ancient way. That is our main goal here. We don't do it perfectly. We're sure not flawless. There are a lot of things that are bumps along the road, but whatever the case, are we giving ourselves to hearing what the Spirit is saying in this hour, in this age that we now live in? I've not done a video for a little while, and I'll tell you what, if you follow the podcast at all, we've been broadcasting about, I don't know, maybe 18 months or so now, and for the last 8, 10 weeks, maybe a little bit more now, there's been a lot of downtime with programs going out. Um, there for a while, I was doing an episode every day um, for months. I had more backlog of recordings than I could get on some. I just said, ah, we'll just let those go. Um, lately, that has not been the case. If you follow the podcast at all, thank you for your patience. Right now, I'm on like one or two a week. I've just been in this weird season of just stillness, of quietness, of really listening for what the Lord is saying to me, to my household, to the church at large, like the corporate church that's on the earth right now in this age, in this hour. It's been a real weird season that really for me started right before Passover and, and has led all the way through the counting of the Omer, the expectation of Shavuot Pentecost. And, and I have to admit, I was expecting like this big shift at Pentecost for me of like, now we're going out and like, it's all just going to start flowing out again. And, and I just continue to feel a real hesitation and, and restraint in the sense of there's still something the Lord is saying. And so here I am again, I'm kind of at that same feeling and in a nutshell, I'm wondering I'm wondering if it's within this. I'm wondering if this shift, for me personally, and maybe for some of you, is within this message that I am convinced, I am thoroughly convinced that God is desiring to speak right now, in this age, in this hour, to us, to, to the church at large. I need to set a timer um, because I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to, at the very least, be four parts. I would think. I don't, I don't know how in the world it's going to be any less than that. So we're going to hit this go. And um, I'll tell you right now, if, if you don't watch this program or listen to the podcast at pathdesign.com, you don't know my history, kind of what we do here. I feel a call to speak something primarily to the church, the capital C global church the body of Christ, the people of God. Even that gets a little bit muddy and needs to find, but like I always say, we don't have time every single episode to get to these things. But I primarily feel like my message is for the church. I feel like the church functions in, in certain ways that are very identifiable, very predictable. Um, viewpoints, opinion, the way they move, function, believe, and, and put themselves out here and there towards the world, towards others who don't believe like they do, even within the global corporate church. The, the dissection and constant division within all of the denominations and just the divisions of men that has permeated the entire church. Let's just be honest. 
The church is no different. We are as segregated as all of humanity. Divided. And so, my message and, and my message today, for sure, which is going to be from the book of Jonah, is very specific for the church. People of God. This is not a message for the world. This isn't a message for the lost. This isn't a message for your neighbor who you think is a heathen. This is for you, friend, if you do, in fact, consider yourself in the capital C church, in Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua the King, the Son of God, Emmanuel. If you consider yourself to be his representative in the here and now, an ambassador of a kingdom yet unseen, the church, this is for you. This is for me. This is for those of us who claim we hear and receive the oracles of God and therefore speak them to anyone else who has an ear to hear. And this is a word of caution. I'll just tell you, this is a word of warning. I don't say that flippantly like you better buckle up and listen to what I'm about to tell you. I don't say it like that. I feel a real humbling about it. I'll give you this little snapshot and then we'll begin. I'm just being honest. I'm being transparent. I was talking to my wife 30 minutes ago about this and just about my personal frustration like I don't know how many people will listen to this message I've spent hours and hours and hours on this for 10 days will anyone even listen and just even further will anyone really care I don't know I don't know it's a frustrating endeavor if you yourself are a preacher teacher pastor leader instructor if you have anything you feel like God has spoken to you or that you are unearthed in the scripture that's like revelational and you, you ingest it, it changes your life and you see it applicable to the corporate body and you just want to cry out or to the world, whatever the case is, you just want to say, have you seen this? Have you thought of this? This convicted me. This challenged me. This changed me. Can I share it? And you get this. Hmm. Whatever. It's hard, if that's you, if you've ever experienced that, it's hard to deliver something with passion and zeal and, and, and a motive of rightful instruction of like, this is for our good. And it may just, it may just fall. But the irony of it is, this is the account of the prophet Jonah. <laughs> Who did what? He heard the word of the Lord. You know what he said? Man, I don't want to tell them. I don't want to tell them that. Hello? It's us, right? It's us, if we're not careful, it's all of us. No matter what is stirring within us, no matter how the word of the Lord comes to us, we have to be careful to rightly hear the word of the Lord. And if, in fact, and when that comes, should we be gifted the honor of speaking anything that Yahweh God himself is saying? Yes. Yes, Lord, I will speak it. It's not up to me the ground. It's not up to me the condition of the ground. It's not up to me hard-heartedness, stiff-neckedness, disinterest. It's not up to us. We have been given a message. We have been given the privilege and invited into the eternal word of God to read it, to study ourselves approved, to show ourselves approved before the Father, worthy to the best of our limited ability in flaw, in mistake, and error, to speak what we hear. And so I'm going to present something that's very hard, church. 
This is very hard. This is very hard. I used to kind of enjoy doing that. I used to really thrive and bring a hard word. And then, ah, I just have a real, all right, God, me first, me first. And then I'm going out in humility, God, to anyone that will listen. And so I put that in front of you today as you like make your decision right now is like, eh, do I watch this guy? Or do I go scroll some videos about cats falling into bathtubs and, you know, Prophet Jim down there giving me a favorable word about how I'm going to be wealthy at the end of the year? It's your choice, right? What do we do? We have to be spiritual men first and foremost and hear what the Spirit's saying and not filter it through whether we like it or not, identify with it or not, agree with it or not, and then cut it off if we don't. So this, interestingly, we're going to get right into it. This is going to be very lengthy. This will be... I would think at least three, maybe four parts. I'm going to try to be concise the best I can. find it interesting there's four chapters in the book of Jonah, so maybe we can break it down, dose it out, if you will, in four chapters along the way. I originally titled this message, Compassion or the Belly of the Fish. The word of the Lord came to me about 10, 11, 12 days ago um, through some circumstances in a time of prayer. Um, towards something else I was talking about. And I heard that clear as a bell. Like, I heard um, compassion and belly of the fish. And in my own intellect and understanding and limited correctness in me of discernment and hearing, I remember writing down compassion or the belly of the fish. As a, as a, I knew I was hearing... A, a word of the Lord to the people, to his people, to the church. But as I did this study, I realized I was wrong in the specifics of the name, the title. And so I've changed it to compassion in the belly of the fish. Compassion in the belly of the fish. And this is where I want to make this connection from, from the very beginning for all of us. Myself, because I want to keep coming back to why I'm, why I'm bringing this text in this hour, why I believe God himself is saying something to us today in 2020. It's about to be July. From all the way back to this prophet Jonah and the weird story, this account, this strange record of this man that is so different from all the other prophets that we're told. Most books of the prophets, we know what they are. We don't have time to get into all that. I'll get distracted. But I want you to think on the current climate of culture right now on the earth. We have listeners, followers um, around the world in small measure. We don't have millions of followers, but we do have um, continual daily listeners in other parts of the world. So I'm not just talking to Christian America but, but the, many of the current events in the here and now are in fact global. It started with the pandemic, the global pandemic crisis. And all of a sudden the world was thrust into something that was universal. Covered every one, every way of life for the most part, with very few exceptions. But I want you to think, I know I'm primarily talking to Christian America. I, I know my audience. That's, that's a given. But I want you to think of your nation, your government, your city, 
your region. Maybe your neighborhood, should you live in one. Think on the lawless culture that is very quickly heightening in this age, in this very hour, right now, today. Think on the ones, the, 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 whatever comes to your mind, just turn on your imagination. Who do you define in your mind, in your appropriation, and many people I know that would listen to this, hey, that's not my version, Joel. It's the Word of God. It's truth. It's not my opinion. Be careful. I'm going to say that a lot. I just did a message 10 days ago titled, Be Careful, where I said, be careful at least 30 times, maybe. We have to be careful. But I want you to think about those that you define as the worst of the worst. I'll give you a minute. Who is the worst of the worst in your mind? Like the vile ones, the evil ones, abortionists. It's just Let's just be honest. Black Lives Matter movement. I'm talking to white Christian America right now. Uh, racists. Uh, people who desecrate statues and spray paint. You know, whatever. Looters. Whatever, whatever you see pretty much when you're doing this and your preferred channel of news tells you there is the worst, the bad guy. You're the good guy. You're good. We're good. We're awesome. We're great moral Christians. But who are the worst of the worst in your imagination? What do you desire in your heart of hearts to come to pass for those people? What do you wish upon them? What do you pray for them, should you pray at all? And if you do, you probably, let's be honest now, let's just set the table right here. We're going to be honest. And this is when people may start dropping off, and that's okay. I don't. There's no interest in, in, in any more people just perpetuating this wide way, generic "go get them" God mentality. It's everywhere. That's on every YouTube channel, everywhere you click. For Christian America, it's easy. I get it. It's desirable, right, to get the bad guy. But what do you hope to see in the bad guys? The vile, lawless ones. What do you desire for them? Justice? God's wrath? His rod of discipline and correction? Because they absolutely have to have it, right? They need it. They need it. They need it. They need it. What do we do? I would say that unbridled emotion alongside arrogance and pride of self-exaltation are the primary enemies of the church in this hour. Finger-pointing is at an all-time high. Straight out of Pentecost, I'll add. I talked on this the other day. Straight out of Pentecost, full of the Holy Spirit, which overflowed into humanity, the church first, then the Gentile. Right now, the church is calling out the evildoer lawless ones with delight. There's a pattern within the Word of God. There are many patterns. And that's what I want to talk about because as I always address on the program, there, there is a world of extremes throughout all of humanity and throughout the church where people fall on the side of an extreme. 
You have those who say it's all grace, it's all the forgiveness of God. No man's good. Who cares? Do what you want. You can't really affect anything. God loves you. Jesus died for you. You're rotten, stinking, horrible, sinful, wretched person. You will be till you die, so just cover it all with the blood of Jesus and you're fine. And then you have the other extreme that says, if you don't keep the perfect law of God, brother, you're cut off. Scripture, 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 cut off. God can't tolerate you in his house. He won't. He hates you. You're vile. You're all these things. We have these extremes. So let's just take these extremes and realize there is a truth to be found in the both. Not a middle ground, but in the both. God is judge, righteous, holy, needs a consecrated people, and gave us the means to do so. Yes, amen. He's hard. He's a judge. There are parameters. There are boundaries. And there is grace. There is compassion. There is forgiveness. As I taught on just mere days ago, he's slow to so many things for our good. He restrains himself to what we justly deserve. We, we humanity. In him and not yet in him. That we deserve. That he does not give to us as we deserve. So there's a pattern of God in the scriptures. There are patterns prodigal son. I want to highlight some that maybe you don't want, that you don't prefer to apply to others. The lawless ones. The bad ones. The principle of the prodigal son. The one who goes out foolish, ignorant, rebellious son. Squanders everything. Abuses the love of the father, the gift, the blessing. Goes and wastes it. The good son remains, has a heart of stone. Now he's doing the right thing, seemingly left behind, spoiled rotten, black-hearted, really. The father comes out to receive the son, runs to him. Why? To preserve his honor, to make sure he doesn't return home to the father in shame. The compassion of the father wins. The laborers in the field. The parable that Yeshua teaches us, there are men in the field. One goes out at 6 in the morning, one goes out at 6 at night. They both come in at 8 in the evening and get paid the same thing. I'm telling you, you say that to this American Christian generation, boy, uh-uh. Do you know how many hours I worked? You need to get a job, sir. You don't deserve anything. You get what you deserve. We throw proverbs out about the working man versus the lazy man and we like that now i hear that all the time i hear that all the time but i don't hear much about that parable when the the giver of the wages comes he says you know what that's none of your business what i pay my laborers none of your business what i do with my laborers did you come and get paid what i told you i'd pay you Yes, sir. Then go about your way and be thankful I paid you anything, son. Don't you worry about what I paid that guy. Don't worry about what time he clocked in. Go on. If you want work, you come back tomorrow and you do work for what I promise and covenantally give you ahead of time and then stick to what I told you I would pay you. Don't worry about everybody else. 
Matthew 5. For he makes his sun shine on good and bad people alike, and he sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Well, that doesn't make sense, God. They're horrible. I'm good. Look at me. He got this. He got that. What about me? That's the son who stayed home, y'all. Thief on the cross. Now, this is a tough one. This is going to be a tough one for all the people who say the only way you get to the Father is by perfect law-keeping and loving him according to his laws. Okay, so you got the thief on the cross. You got the rebellious, hard-hearted to the bitter end. And you got the one who gets it and says, oh, man, that's the Messiah. Something about him is different. He's, the, he's who he says he is. He's the king of all kings. And Yeshua turns to him in his dying day, right? The end of his life. He looks at this horrible thief of a man whose whole life presumably was just thrown about in lawless wretchedness. And he says, what? Oh boy, listen up, Chris, Christian America. Hey, today you will be with me in paradise. Yeshua looks at a vile, wretched, lawless man properly being executed for a life of sin rebellion and lawlessness and says because you recognize me as my true identity and you see me as the Emmanuel God man you're going where I'm going you're going where I the son of God am going today we have to chew on that reality right we have to think about these things as, as, as alongside, we think of all these accounts that we do not need to simply discard and say, well, okay, I guess God wasn't a God of judgment and wrath. Burn, the, burn all the first half of my Bible. I'm not saying that in any way at all. I'm just saying, and I don't like the word balance, but we need to be balanced. We need to appropriate the wholeness of God's attributes and how he deals with men. All of it. In Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9, and we're going to get to this because, like I said, we're going to go through every chapter. It says, salvation belongs to Jehovah. Salvation belongs to Jehovah. Not you, friend. Hey, Salvation doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jehovah. And he gives it to whoever he wants. He gives it out to whoever he wants. The church, to me, from my vantage point, seems to be exhausting every single possibility and avenue of declaring how lawless this generation is. As if that needs pointed out any further. Does anybody else need to take to YouTube or take to a news program or whatever, an article on, an, on a blog and inform us that this generation is a lawless nation? A lawless generation on the earth? Does that really need clarified anymore? I don't understand it. Article after article, headline after headline that I see lawlessness evil men no kidding why are we surprised by this and why in the world do we need volumes of making it clear how lawless those people are
I don't get it. I don't understand. It seems like we could move past that now. I think that's been resolved. The church seems to delight in accounts such as Sodom and Gomorrah. I think they like it. I don't. I'm just being honest. I don't. That's not my thing. God didn't design me as a wrathful, vengeful, sword-wheeling, go-get-em-in-the-name-of-Yeshua guy. That's not who I am. I'm not some passive dude who says, Jesus is a wonderful, wonderful man. He's so soft. He's so tender. He's not coming on a white horse with blood up to the bridle. That's not true. That's metaphorical. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is I feel this constant, constant, constant warning to the church to say, Hey, man. Are you sure that's not your flesh all fired up right now, ready to go out and wield the sword of the Lord against the nations? Are you absolutely sure that's not your carnality? Are you sure? I have some questions. I have some concerns. We're about to wrap this up, part one here. We remember that what we will see in Jonah, since you already know the account, this place, Nineveh, and we're going to do some background on them, it's a rebellious, idolatrous, super-violent Assyrian people. But they were not too far from God's deliverance. And we're going to dive into that hard. We're going to look at that, and we're going to peel off every layer that we have time to peel. I want to read Romans chapter 9. Just pieces out, I'm going to jump around. So are we to say it is unjust for God to do this? Heaven forbid. For Moses, for to Moses, he says, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have pity on whom I have pity. God's saying, you know what, y'all? I do what I want around here. This earth, my footstool. So it doesn't depend on human desires or human efforts. It depends on God, who has mercy. So then, he has mercy on whom he wants. He hardens whomever he wants. But you will say to me, then why does he still find fault with us? After all, who resists his will? Who are you, a mere human being, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to him who formed it, why in the world did you make me this way? Or has the potter no right to make from a given lump of clay this pot for honorable use and that one for dishonorable? Now what if God, even though he was quite willing to demonstrate his anger and make known his power, he patiently put up with people who deserved punishment, insert your name and mine, please. They were ripe for destruction. What if he did this in order to make known the riches of his glory to those who are the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? To us, whom he called, not only from among the Jews, but also from the Gentiles? As indeed, he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I'll call my people. To her who was not loved, I call loved. And in the very place where they were told, you're not my people, now there they will be called the sons of the living God. And this will take us into the story of Jonah. Because friends, it's not up to you. It's not up to me. And what I'm going to make crystal clear in this message titled, Compassion in the Belly of the Fish, is you know what? 
why not side with the mercy of God? Why, church, would you not side with the compassion of the Father? Why would you not lean towards heavily His forgiveness, His compassion, His grace, His mercy, His long-suffering? Why do you want judgment to come so quickly to everyone but to you? We have to ask these questions. Someone has got to ask the church, why are you so fascinated with the judgment of God coming to the people that you brand lawless and you walk free? You walk free. You're good. You keep the commands. You're holy. You're a Christian. All the rest, lay them out, God. Well, friend, let me ask you this and then we'll cut this one off. Were you ever apart from him? Were you ever aside from God? Were you yourself ever idolatrous, rebellious, evil, wicked, and lawless yourself? What about you? How did you get in? How did you get in? Or were you born good? Were you born Christian? Were you born wholesome? That's part of the problem. We have traded in holiness and and sanctification for morality. They are not the same. I say that on this program, I feel like every other episode. They are not synonymous. So we're going to bring this part to a close. We're going to pick up Jonah chapter 1. Man, please come back. If you have any interest at all of being a set-apart, distinct, holy people that don't just fall into the mainstream line, look, you may call the mainstream line this. I'm telling you, it might be this, and it might be right here where we are. It might be what we ourselves are swimming in, and we just don't realize it because this is where we fit. This feels good to us. I think there's a correction coming to the church, and I think it's in the book of Jonah. Consider coming back for the next parts of this as we're going to dissect the books of Jonah one by one, beginning next with some history of Nineveh and what was going on there and why in the world would God want to rescue them and save them. So stay tuned. Go to pathdesign.com if you want to check out some of our audio recordings. Otherwise, we will see you back here momentarily. Thank you for listening and watching.